Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rough Cuts on the Follower podcast. So, that, so uh, glad that everybody's here and that you're listening and good to be in your ears again. Uh, if you're new to the Rough Cuts series, um, you know, typically on Follower, we would do like a whole edit and some backing music and all the different things. But for this series, we're not doing that. I'm just pressing record, sharing the thoughts that I have with you. In particular, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer and we're going through the Lord's Prayer piece by piece. So we've looked at our Father in the heavens. We've looked last week at uh, His name being kept holy and got a lot of great feedback from that episode. So thank you. If that was you, if, uh, if you posted on the, on the social media or any of that kind of stuff, really appreciate that. And just to say that really helps when you do that. Um, if you leave reviews or repost the episodes or share it with friends or people that you know, uh, either on social media or via WhatsApp or whatever that thing is, all of that really helps get the podcast into people's ears. And so if you listen to these messages and you think, man, I'd like other people to hear these things, um, if they're helpful in any way, then please go ahead, leave the reviews, share, do all that kind of stuff. All that to say, we are now looking at uh, this idea of your kingdom come. So I don't know about you, you know, uh, when I was younger, I would be in school and we would pray this prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come. And I don't know what you think about when you think about this idea of God's kingdom coming. Number one, what is God's kingdom? And number two, what does it mean for that kingdom to come? Yeah. And very often when we think about the kingdom of God, I think we can make two mistakes. Number one, we can externalize it. And number two, we can depersonalize it. So what I mean by that is we can pray for God's kingdom to come in all these big, huge issues that are out there beyond us so we look at wars in nations, we look at poverty in our cities and these kinds of things, or we look at human trafficking or all, all the big atrocities, the terrible things. And of course, we should pray, God, your kingdom come in those places. Um, but when we just pray out there, what happens is it exempts us from the process of God's kingdom coming. <laughs> yeah. And when we externalize it, we depersonalize it. And so we, it, it's safer for us to pray, God, let your kingdom come over there than it is to really understand what it means for God's kingdom to come. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, we see that human beings are made with a purpose. Uh, Genesis 1.26, that we're made to subdue the earth. We're given kingdom authority, dominion authority, governmental authority, right? And that's built into the human design. It's an image of God stuff. And so as human beings, we are kingdom creators. You have a kingdom and I have a kingdom. Everybody has their own personal kingdoms. And those kingdoms might not necessarily, you might think, oh, I don't own any castles or have any armies or whatever. But, but really, what is a kingdom? What is this kingdom reality? I love the way Dallas Willard describes it. He talks about how the kingdom is the range of the effective will of the individual. So your kingdom is the range of your effective will, the degree to which where, you, where what you want to happen does actually happen. Yes, uh, if I come to your house, uh, you have all the, the right or the power in, within your home to decide when you want to turn on the kettle to make a cup of tea. You get to decide when you want to go to bed or not go to bed if you're not raising small children. Uh, there, there is a range of your effective will within your life. And the, that range of your effective will is 
for all intents and purposes, your kingdom, right? Now, the difficult thing is that we are prone to design kingdoms that are not conducive to our personal flourishing. So, so what I mean by that is we all develop coping mechanisms in life from the time we're little all the way through up to, to when we're adults, ways to deal with stress and trauma, etc., etc. Um, and those coping mechanisms can be helpful in the initial stages, but if we don't grow out of those coping mechanisms as we get older particularly, they become quite harmful to us. They become these negative attachment issues. And so th they become addictions, really, that we run to in order to pacify us in places of pain or difficulty or struggle. So I've known what it's like to, in the words of the scriptures, do what I don't want to do and not do what I do want to do, right? And so some of this language we've used on the follower podcast is that my strongest desires are often not my deepest desires, the things that are most longed for in life uh, are often not expressed by the things that my appetite quickly reaches for because I've trained my body over time in a broken world, um, in, in broken social structures, and my own um, bent out of shape, deeply disordered desires. I've trained myself to want what I actually don't need. Yes, And so then what ends up happening is my kingdom follows those broken desire patterns and I end up constructing a range of effective will, a kingdom for myself, that's not actually conducive to my deepest flourishing as an individual. And then as a result, not conducive to the flourishing of the individuals around me, the society. Because remember, when we think of kingdom, we often think of like big governance structures, right? We think of presidents and parties and policies, but all those things are made up of people, <laughs> okay? This is why when Jesus comes to bring a revolution, he doesn't bring a revolution of human structures. He, when the disciples want him to become king, he resists that because he knows that it's not the human structures that are the issue, it's the human heart that's the issue. And so Jesus brings a revolution of the human heart. Now, all of this, hold that, it's really interesting when we go to Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 2 uh, and Matthew chapter 4. So Matthew chapter 3 and chapter 4. And we see John the Baptist and he's coming and he's declaring that the kingdom of God is here. And that really is the gospel, you know. We've been trained in so many ways to think of the gospel as this like, you're a sinner going to hell, believe in Jesus, go to heaven. And I just want to say it's not the biblical gospel. Really, the biblical gospel is this declaration of the good news that the kingdom of the heavens is at hand, that the kingdom of God has arrived. And we see Jesus affirming this as he comes out of his temptation in the wilderness there in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And it says, from this time, Jesus began to preach. And the preaching that he brought was the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here, right? And so what is the kingdom of God? Well, pulling off Dallas Willard's definition, the kingdom of God, just as our kingdoms are, the kingdom of God is the range of God's effective will. The kingdom of God is the place where what God wants to happen actually happens. <laughs> That's the kingdom of the heavens. And when we pray that prayer, we have to recognize that we're not just praying that prayer externally and impersonally. We're praying that prayer first and foremost internally and very personally. Because you have a kingdom. And so really the gospel is this clash of kingdoms. And the, and the gospel is Jesus declaring that a new king has come with a new range of effective will. 
that that is a reality. And then what do we do with that? How do we respond to that? Well, we see there John the Baptist and Jesus saying, repent, therefore, and believe the gospel. Now, this idea of repentance, it's not beating yourself up. It's not moral striving. It's not even feeling really bad about something. That word means to reimagine or rethink your thinking or think about what you're thinking about, right? So the idea of repentance is to say, as Jordan Peterson puts it, that, that there is reality and unreality, okay? And we break ourselves when we live into unreality. Or uh, Scott Peck in The Road Less Traveled, he defines mental health as a commitment to reality at all costs. But there is this idea that human beings can't bear much reality, okay? So what we do is we build all these coping mechanisms and we make our false kingdoms. But the kingdom that we're made for, the one in which we flourish and thrive, is the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus pitches up, really what he's doing is he is orchestrating a coup against the governance of your kingdom. <laughs> so imagine your internal world and imagine there's a throne right at the center of yourself. For most people, apart from the good news of the gospel, though you are sitting on the throne of your own life. You're in charge. You're the king of your kingdom. You're governing in alignment with your wisdom and ultimately you're, you're governing in, in an alignment with your accommodated unreality. And the world that is produced as a result of your governance is not conducive to your flourishing, right? And because it's not conducive to your flourishing, it's not conducive to the flourishing of those around you and the world in which you live. So then Jesus comes and he says, I want to, I want to let you know that a new range of God's effective will has been established through Jesus. He is now in Philippians, we see that he's been exalted to the highest place, that he's king, over everything in, in the heavens and on the earth and under the earth. And all creation falls into alignment with his authority. That's why the rocks are crying out and the trees are clapping their hands. So, so, so much of creation understands that Jesus is exalted king and that the range of God's effective will has been established right now. But human beings, we're the ones who rebel against this and we hold on to our own stubborn kingdoms. And so, to pray your kingdom come is to recognize that you are praying for God to dethrone you as king in your life. That's what you're praying. You're praying that your, the range of your effective will would diminish and the range of God's effective will in your life would increase, would be amplified in you. So that as you live in alignment with reality, the kingdom of God, you would begin to reap the benefits of a life that is flourishing, a reality that is conducive to the flourishing of your soul and to the flourishing of those around you and the flourishing of the world in which we live. It's what Jesus calls life and life to the full. So that's what we're praying when we pray, your kingdom come. We're not praying it externally and impersonally, first and foremost. We're praying it internally and personally. And we're really inviting God to come and dethrone us as king, and enthrone himself and increase the range of his effective will so that we stop living in unreality and start living in reality and become truly human. Now, repentance is hard and costly sometimes. It's hard to rethink what you're thinking about. It's hard to reimagine your whole life. And so you need a compelling reason to do so, and that is that you need a vision, a compelling vision of this kingdom life lived out. And that's where Jesus comes in, 
Right? So when we see Jesus, we see the kingdom of God manifest in the life of a human being. And we see the power of his life, the beauty of his life, the justice of his life, how he himself brings healing and wholeness everywhere he goes. And we see that and we go, man, that's a compelling vision of what a human life could look like. And because, of the, because that vision is greater in its nature than the discomfort of what it will mean for us to repent, we choose repentance in order to live into the superior vision of the kingdom lifestyle that we see in the life and person of Jesus Christ. So for you, there's a few questions. And for me, there's a few questions. Listen, I am in this boat. I know what it's like to live in unreality. <laughs> I, and repentance is a lifestyle situation, for me at least. Now, you know, I used to think, man, I repented. And then there are things where I, I get a victory. I've overcome something. I'm growing as a person. I'm living more in alignment with reality. I'm experiencing the flourishing of my life under God's rule and reign, only to figure out that there are layers to this game <laughs> and, and that there are levels of repentance I didn't even need, know I needed to enter into until the Lord, the Lord pulled back layers and showed me. So for me, repentance is a lifestyle. I'm always thinking about what I'm thinking about and having to renew my mind and reimagine my life under the rule and reign of God. Um, I'm, I'm always being astounded, really, and in a sense, disappointed, but then grateful for grace to the degree to which I haven't given up the authority and control of my life, where I'm really reluctant to get off the throne of my own heart um, and let Jesus be king. Um, and so, you know, there's a, I, I say Jesus is Lord with my mouth, but then there's a gap between that, the reality of that lived out in my everyday, and grace fills that gap, praise God, but but the journey of discipleship makes that gap smaller and smaller until the range of God's effective will has effectively overthrown my effective will in my life. And so for you, do you have a compelling vision of Jesus and the human life lived out? And is that vision so compelling to you that you're willing to count the cost of repentance? And when you pray your kingdom come, are you ready to get off the throne? <laughs> And, uh, or are we just praying your kingdom come in uh, external, impersonal ways instead of internal, personal ways? Oh, oh, because that's really where it starts, guys, because we are the hands and feet of Jesus, right? So if his kingdom is to come, God has no body now but ours. And so if the kingdom is to come, it's going to come through us. It's not just going to drop out of the heavens somewhere. It, it comes and is embodied and manifest in the lives of those who follow Jesus. So when we're praying your kingdom come, we're fundamentally praying that it come in me and through me and in us and through us. And for that, we need to be able to surrender up our kingdoms. And that can be uncomfortable. So we need this compelling vision of, of the Christ life, of human flourishing in the person of Jesus. And so I just offer you those thoughts today, something to bring before the Lord in prayer. Um, have, you got a, have you got a beautiful vision of Jesus and what human flourishing looks like in his life? And are you willing then to repent in, in light of the fact that his kingdom has arrived, that, there is a, that reality is available and we don't have to consistently live in unreality? Um, and then are you willing to walk the road that allows you to enter into the flourishing of your own soul and those around you? I hope these are helpful thoughts and uh, we'll catch you next week on The Rough Cuts when we talk about your will be done, very similar, really an extension thought of your kingdom come. So uh, 
It'll probably be a shorter one, but uh, we'll chat to you then. Bye, guys.